Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Future Brew right here on mazenbrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon. Joining me today, we've got the whole squad back. Steven Ossentoski and John Simmons, both here to talk some Michigan football recruiting. Steven, how was your week off the podcast? Felt like a different world. Uh, I was in the same house, but uh, no work and got to spend some quality time with the missus and the dog. And uh, I had to work today, unfortunately. So I'm back into the thick of it, but you guys are mm-hmm. at least uh, alleviating some of those uh, post-holiday blues. But things are going well. Back in the saddle, Mr. Ostentoski. And uh, Michigan did not take in 17 D-tackles the last time we spoke. So sorry to burst your bubble there. Uh, John, how are you doing, my friend? Good. Basically same old here. New year. Nothing's really changed yet, though. No, it's uh... – it really is. I mean, that's a good way to put it. New year, but nothing's changed so far with uh, a lot of things here. Michigan hasn't really done a ton on the recruiting trail over the past week. It's been more so <laughs> more negative things than anything. But let's start today with a few additions to the transfer portal that Michigan may want to take a check into here and it's really getting into this area where I, me personally, I'm kind of starting to worry a little bit about this just because of the whole Harbaugh thing hasn't signed his, or well, any deal uh, yet to uh, remain at U of M. So this obviously puts a lot of things in flux with stuff on the recruiting trail and also in the portal. But uh, Dudek, Matt Dudek, the recruiting coordinator, he's staying busy. Uh, trying to keep up with all of these guys who have been entering the portal, specifically the defensive linemen. There was a defensive back that entered the portal a few days ago that Dudek was following on Twitter, but he ended up committing, I think, yesterday to Louisville, so he's off the board. But uh, a few guys that recently entered, let's start right in the Big Ten with Owen Carney. He is Illinois defensive lineman here. Uh, He is an edge rusher from Miami, Florida, 6'3", 260, and uh, had a pretty breakout year this past season for Illinois. In 2020, he had five sacks, which ranked third in the Big Ten, 27 tackles, seven tackles for loss, a forced fumble. Uh, Other than that, he didn't really have a ton of success uh, in Champaign other than this past season. Uh, So this would be his fifth year in college. So this would probably be his final year unless he chose to uh, uh, renew that eligibility because of the free year that they get um, because of the pandemic. So, John, I think it's interesting that they're trying to go after an edge rusher and not interior. I feel like they need more help on the interior than anything. You got Hutchinson coming back. You've got a guy like Braden McGregor, who's probably going to be back from his uh, long-term knee injury that kept him out of this entire season. Uh, I th- He may have had a special teams a game here or there, but uh, it didn't see any time on defense. So interesting that they are choosing to go after, or at the very least be interested in an edge rusher that would only have one more year of eligibility. What do you think about all that, John? Yeah, I don't mind them looking after this guy. I think defensive end could use a little more uh, depth and experience at the position. If he's like a Mike uh, Dana type who comes in as part of the rotation, I think at 6'3", 260, he could kind of uh, maybe slide into a 3-tech 2, maybe on passing downs. So I think he could be used across the line and uh, be helpful. I know he played at Illinois, but he's from Florida, so I don't know how that's going to impact his transfer destination if he wants to go closer 
to home or not. But, uh, you know, I think upgrading from Illinois to, to Michigan would be a pretty enticing option for him. Steven, uh, do you think that uh, taking in a guy like Carney here would would uh, be useful here? If Let's just say that you're, you're whiff on all of these interior guys. Obviously, you're going to want to take in a guy on the edge just because, you, like John said, you need depth pretty much everywhere on defense at this point. But uh, it, it just interesting to me that uh, out of all the guys on the – in the transfer portal at this time, obviously Carney had a good 2020 season, but just in my opinion, I wouldn't prioritize him over some of these other interior guys that they've already done some uh, Intel with and, and already followed on Twitter for uh, Matt Dudek. What do you say? Yeah, I think the rare thing about Carney is that he's probably in the minority, maybe like the 20% of the transfer portal of guys who are transferring for, uh, not only a better situation, but for like a winning program, right? You see a lot of guys who maybe they, it didn't work out for them at a previous destination. That's not the case with Carney. And I think, again, that falls within maybe like that 20% of those transfer portal guys who are hoping to play for a bigger program and they uh, will take an already successful career elsewhere as a part of that. So I think he falls into that like minority of transfer portal guys who can really break out in a way where you're hoping more for depth from most guys from the transfer portal. Like Dana, I think Mike Dana was uh, what John was saying, a just really good depth player. He eventually got drafted, but not like a standout player. I think Carney could be a guy who even surpasses that kind of with what he did at Illinois even. So you put him on a more successful program where he's not the standout and he can even Mm -hmm. uh, do a little bit more. So I think that's kind of the case with him. So even though he's maybe not a true interior guy, he could help alleviate some of that uh, pressure that Hutchinson will probably have at one defensive end spot and having him as a presence to replace Quiddy pay. He won't be the caliber of pay. I don't think, but that can help alleviate the stress that maybe Hutch would be feeling on the other end. Well, let's talk about a couple guys on interior then that uh, Dudek recently followed on Twitter who both entered the transfer portal very recently, both from Clemson uh, of all places. Let's start with Jordan Williams. He is listed at 6'4", 310. Uh, he is from uh, Virginia Beach, of Virginia. And uh, if we're going off uh, career statistical stats, um, he played in 11 games this past year. Only had eight tackles, it looks like, and one tackle for loss. So uh, not looking too good on the stat sheet here. Uh, The way that they have this all laid out, or maybe I'm mistaken here. Okay, this is very confusing on their website. Maybe it says 22. How about 22 tackles? That sounds a lot better. Um, Five and a half tackles for loss. They've got this all backwards on me. Uh, This is very strange. And uh, two and a half sacks. There we go. Uh, quarterback hit. He's got one of those and uh, pass breakup. He had two. So decent uh, year this past year, Steven. Um, and then uh, obviously with the other Clemson, a defensive tackle, Niles Pinckney, he's six one three hundred, and he is a, a graduate student. So he'll have one more year in college. He's from South Carolina. And uh, I, it's looking like at this point, uh, this past year, he had 22 tackles and one sack. So, uh, obviously, uh, the 
if you're transferring from Clemson, you're probably not a superstar player. But uh, at the very least, these are guys that they're going to do their due diligence on, Stephen. And uh, you got to just keep going after some defensive tackles in the portal, whether you think you have a realistic shot or not. Yeah, he's a guy who, like, he's a top 200 guy as a part of the uh, 2017 class. So he's still got, you know, some years to grow into that where when we were talking about Carney, he's kind of who he is at this point. So it's hard to say at a, you know, top program like that, Williams is definitely more in the majority part there where he wants to get more run at a different program where maybe you're a little bit buried on the depth chart. Uh, at a program like Clemson, that's understandable. So uh, I would prefer going for those 300-pound guys um, just based on my philosophy overall. So him being, you know, around the – I don't know if he's grown from 260. I don't have an updated uh, roster sheet on his weight. But uh, he's a little bit bigger, so maybe, you know, he's more of a traditional uh, three-tech since he's like 6'4", 6'5". But, um, but yeah, I mean – he's like the complete opposite guy of, of Carney a bit there where he is a super, was a super high guy out of high school in terms of his rankings, just got buried a little bit and hoping to catch footing somewhere else. So, uh, I mean, you spin the wheels as much as you can on, you know, cast a wide net and mm-hmm. have those conversations as long as you can to figure out if, if it's a good fit uh, first and foremost. So I think that's, kind of just where where it's at now Kevin it's it's still early in the process there okay so I'm looking at the stats now on ESPN because Clemson's website is trash for stats it's god awful so if you ever need to look at Clemson stats just go somewhere else don't go to their website (laughs) Um, (laughs) not trying to bash on Clemson but my god um, you can barely read the thing Uh, career stats here you go for uh uh, for Jordan Williams, 2020, this past season had uh, seven total tackles. That's what ESPN's got. For Niles Pinckney, the other defensive tackle here, he compiled 22 tackles, uh, one sack, and uh, uh, one fumble recovery as well. So um, you're kind of, at this point, these guys would probably just be depth guys more or less, John. Uh, but again, you're, you're still going to need some depth guys along that defensive line because at this point, uh, you're, you're not really bringing in a lot in that interior and you're going to have to recruit the hell out of it in 22. Yeah. These are pretty short term. I think uh, stop gaps right now. I think what uh, Steven said, I agree a lot with about, you know, them being pretty close to their ceiling and their, you know, lack of development so far in a program that pumps out defensive linemen like Clemson. I think it probably means that they're, uh, you know, not going to live up to the recruiting rankings as much and will probably just serve as uh, rotation players, which Michigan could definitely use bodies in this. But I think there are some more uh, more enticing options, I'd say, uh, from the guys we talked about last week and things like that, and probably more likely uh, guys to, to join the, the team anyway, just given their location and things like that. Yeah, I mean, if if you are putting out a, like a rankings list, I mean, for me personally, Mohamed Diallo is probably atop the list. I'd probably put Shelton uh, just a bit below him for D-lineman and then probably Owen Carney after him, and then these Clemson guys would probably be last. Um, and I would have rather taken in a guy like Derek Chant- Tangelo, but he's already off the board, obviously. Um, but 
Yeah, you, you got to kind of just do your due diligence at this point. Like you said, John, it's kind of just a stopgap for a year until you can get some more guys in the 22 class. They've already got a couple guys um, in 22, so they're going to have to get a few more, obviously. But uh, the work is never done for uh, either the offensive or defensive line. You can always, uh, always get more guys, always get better guys at those positions. It's a, a premium with how things go. So we'll uh, continue to monitor the transfer portal. The guys that Dudek uh, follows on Twitter, that's usually a pretty good indicator of if there is interest from Michigan side or not. And uh, we'll bring it all to you uh, when and if those developments happen. But uh, I'm going to say something real quick uh, because along with the defensive tackles, you're going to have to probably go after defensive backs as well if you're U of M in the transfer portal uh, this offseason, especially considering that Sierra Wright, their top cornerback recruit left in the 21 class, decided to commit to USC over the weekend uh, during the All-American game broadcast. There wasn't a game this year because of the pandemic, but they still allowed some of these higher-ranked kids to announce their verbal pledge to their program, and Sierra Wright was among those. So he chose USC over Michigan and Notre Dame and Oregon, a few other top uh, Pac-12 programs as well. So uh, really the writing's on the wall here for Michigan, for Zordich, Harbaugh, you're going to have to go get a cornerback probably in the transfer portal at this point. Because out of all the guys that they have offered at the position in this 21 class, every single one other than an unranked cornerback uh who is five foot nine has already committed. And, and that guy's name is Jalen Harris, but he's probably not a realistic option by any means. If uh, you know, they haven't really said much about him at all. So probably going to have to go after some guy in the portal. Uh, Jamie Robinson is still out there. Last I checked, he's a guy that we talked about a few weeks ago, who's in the portal. So John, I mean, it, this is a real tough situation for Michigan to be in, especially considering Harbaugh still hasn't, uh, re-upped his contract at U of M, still doesn't have a defensive coordinator. Uh, and this is kind of just putting a flux with the entire transfer portal situation in general, not just cornerbacks, but defensive linemen that they want to go after. It's a big problem. And obviously I don't think it's going to be a quick fix for any of the positions, but cornerback, it's not looking very good. Yeah. I think uh, Michigan is either going to have to go to the transfer portal or just kind of bank on having a big class in 22 at the position. Uh, Wright seemed pretty unlikely for a while there. Uh, just, you know, he visited during the season, but then nothing really happened. He couldn't, he was going to make another Midwest swing, but couldn't really uh, fit into his schedule and getting a guy from Southern California, like, like him is going to be uh, tough all the way. So I think, uh, they may evaluate some guys that are playing in the the winter and spring like that. You know, California's starting up their season soon and then all like the Northeast schools. So they could add someone down the line, I guess, that blows up. But I think they're just going to, you know, they're in a good position for a lot of 2022 guys. And, uh, they, you know, there's a couple options that we talked about in the transfer portal that they could add to. So. Yeah, it's a really good point about the winter spring season that's going to be taking place in California. You can obviously go after some guys that maybe haven't uh, already signed that still have a season to be played. Perhaps they have a breakout senior season. That's a very good point, uh, John, that uh, Michigan 
probably will monitor a little bit moving forward, but obviously the portal being, well, more than likely the top option if uh, a, a guy doesn't really, really break out uh, this senior uh, winter or spring season. And Stephen, what do you think about all of this? Obviously, Michigan recruited Sierra for a while, uh, got him to visit, like John had mentioned. Um, and it, obviously, they took a swing at it. They missed. They gave it their best. But uh, obviously, came up short to USC. It was the obvious choice for Sierra probably the entire time. Uh, if we're being honest, the proximity to home, uh, just everything that Sierra Wright probably wants to do in the future with acting and things along those lines, USC was probably uh, the choice. And he was just uh, holding off on the announcement for the All-America game, which I can definitely understand why. Uh, but moving forward with Michigan, what do you think is the best play here? You think they got to just go aggressive with the transfer portal uh, despite not having a defensive coordinator? Or do you think that they have to uh, do kind of what John had mentioned and evaluate some guys? Yeah, I think you're going to have to evaluate some guys just because with the new defensive staff overall, uh, I know that this is, I believe, the last few weeks here for Zordich's contract. So there's no guarantee that he's going to be the guy moving forward, though I hope he is. But so there's just too many things that need to happen right now for me to think that there's going to be any real confidence on getting guys in the fold for this class. Um I don't know. I still like the young guys in the room for cornerback, um, but I think this season will uh, – it'll obviously tell us a lot. So I, I, it's just ironic to me that the year where the portal is the most um, – I don't know, it volatile is the right word, but has the most options is the offseason currently where Michigan's in – has the most question marks, at least on the defensive side of the ball. So it's just – it's really poor timing with just the amount of names and the sheer numbers in the portal with the, you know, free eligibility with uh, guys able to transfer without having any, you know, sit out years because of COVID. So like just all of those things, it just doesn't, it doesn't set up Michigan. Well, um, I, I'm guessing exactly what John said that they'll go hard at the 2022 class. I still have faith in the cornerback room a little bit more than I do the defensive lineman room. Um, so I think, I think that's the position to watch moving into this next season, but, uh, I expect them to take quite a few, uh, cornerbacks for the, uh, upcoming class. Yeah, they're in on a lot of defensive backs in this 22 class and a, a few really highly ranked guys that uh, we've talked about extensively on this podcast and on mazenbrew.com. Will Johnson being the in-state five-star, he's going to be probably the tippy top target in the 22 class perhaps just at any position in general. I think he's one of the more important guys that you could go after. Domani Jackson, obviously being a top five talent on the composite in the country with him being out in California, it'll be a tough pull, but obviously he's shown enough interest in U of M already. So perhaps you can get him uh, on board along with Will Johnson. They could be a package uh, kind of tandem there. Who knows? Jaden Gold, obviously they're in on the four-star cornerback uh, from New Jersey. So they've got options there uh, galore in this uh, 22 class. But yeah, moving forward, I, I, th I think it probably would be best for them to evaluate some guys this spring and uh, hopefully some guys out in California just ball out and Michigan uh, ends up offering one of them. And you know, it's just one would be better than none at this point. If they're able to just get one guy, I think that would ease my nerves a little bit uh, as far as a cornerback recruiting uh, moving forward. But 
obviously we'll see. Uh, we will definitely see what happens. And we've got another uh, 22 guy that we could talk about, uh, but we'll talk about him after the break, who could be a cornerback in this uh, upcoming class. Could be a running back, though. He released his top list. We'll talk about him momentarily here. But first, obviously want to talk about our new sponsor here on Mason Brew Podcast, and that is Homefield, which is a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of the Midwest in Indianapolis. And not only is their stuff comfy, but it is officially licensed gear. So they do not screw around when it comes to their designs because they study every school's history, traditions, and legacies to create thoughtful designs that tell the unique story of each university. They lost their, launched their Michigan line a couple months ago, and they have some really amazing original designs that you will not find anywhere else from t-shirts to crewnecks. They really have anything that you need to stay cozy while rooting for your favorite team. So if you're looking for vintage apparel, look no further than Homefield. Use that promo code MNB, as in Maize and Brew, to get 20% off your entire first order. Go over to homefieldapparel.com. Again, promo code MNB at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your whole first order. All right, and we are back. I alluded to a 22 prospect before the break that could play cornerback, could play running back. He is a versatile in-state talent. He's a four-star guy, and he released his top 10 on New Year's Day, and that is Dylan Tatum. He released a top 10 of Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Georgia, Nebraska, USC, and Baylor. Quite the interesting top 10 list there. Uh, he is listed at 5'11", 190. He's from West Bloomfield. So Donovan Edwards knows him quite well, as does Makari Page. He played behind Edwards at running back all of this past season. He is number 246 on the composite currently and the number five player in the state of Michigan in this class, number 12 athlete there. So Michigan obviously doing all they can to uh, really go after these top in-state guys. They have been for a long time. Um, just in general, their motto is the best players in the state of Michigan play at Michigan. And I would imagine that Makari Page and Donovan Edwards will be recruiting Dylan Tatum to play at U of M, whether that's at cornerback or at running back. So uh, with Michigan, I guess, officially in the running for Tatum, uh, John, I want to turn it over to you. He plays cornerback in high school. He plays running back in high school. He's very good at both of them. I think he can probably play either side of the ball in college. Um, I think it would be best to put him at corner. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's a really interesting prospect because he has that versatility. I think a lot of schools like him on the defensive side of the ball and that like, you know, nickel slot cornerback spot. I think most, uh, most schools like him there, but it's also, like you said, he's good on the offensive side of the ball at running back, but he's also had, Donovan Edwards in front of him for the last few years in that backfield, taking up most of the carries. So there's not really, there hasn't been a big uh, chance for Tim to show what he's got as, you know, kind of the bell cow back in that on that West Bloomfield squad. So I think this upcoming season will be uh, fun to see how he does, uh, you know, when he has the main responsibility and the defense is, you know, keying on him all game. So uh, he could have a chance to explode on the offensive side of the ball too. But I think right now his athleticism uh, really helps him out on the, the defensive side. Yeah, he's a very interesting prospect, like you said. And, and you bring up a good point. The fact that he played behind Donovan Edwards uh, for 
I mean, this entire time pretty much that he's been in high school at the running back position, uh, he's going to have a lot to show off this upcoming high school season here uh, for his senior year. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this develops with him on offense. But on defense, I really like what I see out of him uh, at cornerback. Steven, what do you say? What do you think about Tatum as a prospect in general? And just given uh, the situation with uh, Michigan's recruiting at both running back and cornerback, uh, where would you like to see him uh, be recruited to play? Yeah, so I think the position I like him most is more of like the Chris Evans type of running back where you get him out in the slot. I like his ability out in space. Um, his, his ability when he's doing like a jet sweep or a screen pass, his start and stop ability really stands out more than his long speed to me. Um, so that's where I like him the most, but I think Michigan should recruit him as a cornerback. And I'm saying that mainly because you did have Donovan Edwards the year prior. So you, if you're recruiting him as a, a running back or an offensive weapon, you have a potential risk there of upsetting both players where it's like, what, you just took my teammate last year. I'm going to be playing behind him both in high school and college. And you could say maybe that uh, you wouldn't, it, it, you know, I'm sure both players would be fine with it, but you do run that risk, I think, of just having too many bodies in a certain room. And when you have a guy with that versatility and you also have a Makari page on the defensive side that you can use in your favor for recruitment um, and fill a position of need at cornerback. There's just too many reasons to not pitch the cornerback position uh, for a guy who I think could uh, fill that really well. So I, I like his physicality on defense as well. Um, so despite liking him the most with the ball in his hands as kind of like that offensive yeah. weapon guy, I think it's smartest uh, both from Michigan's program and for him as a player for his path to playing time at Michigan would be at cornerback. Yeah. And he spoke with 24 seven sports recently, Alan Trieu, and uh, he, uh, among the coaches that have been reaching out to him the most is Michael Zordich from Michigan, who is of course the cornerbacks coach here in Ann Arbor. And you would imagine that with that being said, that they're probably recruiting him more so to play on the defensive side of the ball. But I would be interested to see if this ends up becoming like a Rayshon Benny sort of recruitment where the player has a, a position in mind of which he wants to play in college. Obviously with Benny, he wanted to play defense and Michigan, uh, luckily for them, wanted uh, Benny to play defense and they're still going after him in the 21 class, obviously with him not being uh, signed up to play at Michigan state, although he's still verbally committed. So I, I'm interested, John, to see if this becomes a kind of Rayshon Benny esque recruitment where uh, he ends up, maybe he discovers that he's just a total beast at the running back position. Um, and now that Edwards is gone and he wants to play running back. So if Michigan is still having Zordich be his main recruiter, maybe they would end up uh, switching gears there and letting him kind of decide what he wants to play in college. Do you think that that might be a possibility there, John? Yeah, I definitely think that's a smart idea. I think it's really, it really helped with Benny because they were the, the first school to give him that option. And I think Michigan would uh, use him on either side of the ball, uh, depending on what they want. I think they have room to take one or two running backs. And, you know, we just talked about earlier how many defensive backs they'll need to uh, take. So I think it's not like uh, spots are going to be tight on either side of the ball. And having uh, his position be up to him, I think, uh, is, is fine with me. Maybe uh, things change when you get on campus. You know, they gave like, like going back to Zach Gentry, they, they let him try out on tight end or at quarterback before they moved him to tight end. 
but I mean, it, it was kind of clear from the start. So maybe they're just going to kind of let him uh, give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out, they'll move him over or they'll just do it from the start. But I think that it, it's a, it's a totally smart move to do that. Steven, I'll give you the final word, my friend. That's it, man. You let him do what he wants to do. Uh, I think you, you, Pitch him the best way you can get an athlete like that on board. And uh, that's a defensive approach, I think. But uh, as John said, it, you, you give him the opportunity to try out wherever he wants to, um, you know, line out the depth chart, let him go through the numbers and his path to playing time. And ultimately, if he can contribute at, at a position and um, provide value to the team at that position, then who am I? And in that, in this case, I'm, uh, the proxy for the coaching staff, please. I'm not, I'm not a member of the coaching staff, but <laughs> if I'm Michigan, I'm not yeah. going to turn, turn him away for, uh, you know, auditioning for a certain, uh, a certain position with, you know, the caliber of athleticism he brings. Yeah. I, I think you guys nailed it. I would probably do it very similarly. Let him kind of just choose what he wants. And especially if you're going to be going after him at cornerback, hopefully he wants to play cornerback in college because uh, U of M is going after a few really good running back prospects in this 22 class as well. And with them taking in two guys in 21, they probably only need one guy. Uh, so we'll obviously have to see how they go about recruiting the position in this class. But uh, I, I think letting the kid decide, especially if he's an in-state talent, that's good at both positions is probably uh, the way to go there. So everybody, thank you for listening as always greatly appreciated. You can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. John, where are you at buddy? At Simmons underscore John. And Steven, where are you at? At Steven Toski. And follow Mason Brew on Twitter at Mason Brew and give us a like on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Follow Steven's work on the YouTube channel. Always pumping out content, it seems, daily. I don't think Steven sleeps at this point, but uh, he's, he's keeping me entertained every once in a while with his basketball highlights. So I greatly appreciate that, and I know a lot of other people do. So go subscribe to him on YouTube if you haven't already. Give all of our podcast uh, review, rate it. Do all that good stuff. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week uh, on another edition of Future Brew. Until then, 